Wow. Okay, somebody's got some faith on. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good deal. My name is Jesse Brinson. Um, my wife and I, Tori, um, have uh, been a part of Blue Month, I don't know, for a long time, since June 2nd. And so, uh, <laughs> but uh, we've, known, we know, we've known Jonathan for forever. And, I'm, and I told some of you guys this earlier during the summer, but I wanted to just kind of introduce myself again for some of the newer people who are coming around. Uh, we spent uh, quite a few, time, uh, uh, few years in Lawrence. We both got saved in the, uh, on a campus in Lawrence somewhere. Just don't know how diehard you got K-State fans you guys are, so I don't want to ruin anyone right now. But um, um, spent 16, 15, 16 years there doing youth ministry. And then from there, we uh, went to Fort Scott for a year. We were life coaches on the Fort Scott Community College campus directly with the football team. And uh, uh, that program got ended. Um, this past year in November. So we began praying about, okay, what are we gonna do next? And uh, had some conversations with Jonathan, the, the Jonathan Hub, the pastor here for those that don't know. And we just thought, you know what? I think Manhattan is where we should be going. Uh, I love community outreach. My wife loves administration. That was two things that, was, uh, that we could be immediately a part of. And so we uprooted our family again within a year and came to, uh, uh, to just how we live in St. George, just outside of Manhattan. And, and, and loving it so far, loving it, loving it, loving it. So um, excited to see K-State get their first W. You know, I was, I was probably gonna be a K-State uh, uh, alumni back when I was in high school. I played with Michael Bishop back when it had the NCAA football game for my football players. Anyone know about, remember that? Anyone, no one on the joysticks like that, okay. So I would get Michael Bishop and, you know, try to win games on a video game and, uh, but, um, Somebody else recruited me to, to another place. And so I ended up walking on to KU, uh, experiencing uh, an opportunity to have play football, realized I wasn't the, the biggest fish in the pond, and, and, and God began to do something in my life, which I'll dive in here more. So my wife, Tori, our oldest son, uh, Zeb, we got two girls, and then we have a, a, a multitude of foster kids. And so, um, um, I, we tell people that a lot. We have about six foster kids. Only one of them is through the actual state and, and everything. And I had this picture in my mind, like, when I tell people this, do they really believe me? Because they never see them, right? They're, all, they're older now. They're all living. One lives in Florida. One's in D.C. And then there's a few in the area, one down in Texas. And so uh, our second oldest texted and said, hey, we're going to come up and hang out with you guys on Sunday and have lunch with you guys. Like, great, good, now I have proof. So with that being said, <laughs> our second oldest son, Andre, and his girlfriend, Mel, are here. And so that's who they are, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's them and love, love them to death. And so um, continuing with our series, we've been in a series call, called Different, all right? Yet last week, Jonathan spoke about, you know, having a different spirit, and he used the illustration, the story of Caleb and Joshua, two of my favorite people in the Bible, and just how the Bible, uh, in a time where they were going to enter the promised land, and they brought back a good report, one of the things that the scripture uh, said was that they had a different spirit, and Jonathan was able to lay out what it means to be different, and I'm not going to go through all of that because my message is a little bit long and I want to make sure I have plenty of time to let you guys out by four o'clock. Um, no, you'll be out sooner than that. 
Um, growing up in a single parent home, and, I, and what I want to do, I'm kind of, I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of, this plane is going real fast, right? We're gonna go right, just begin to transcend right into it. Um, and one thing I want to do, I'll, I'll give you kind of a little bit more of who I am as we go on, but I want to just go right into this, this, this message, right, and continue in this series of different. And then I'll, I'll give you a title here in the soon. But growing up in a single parent home where my mom was the breadwinner, I grew up with this idea that I had, I had a responsibility to give. All right. Um, not saying that a young person should have to do that at an early age, but there was this idea that I had to provide, whether it be for myself or even even for the family, uh, uh, because dad wasn't home. And so I knew that there was something in my mind like, man, I can't just be a consumer. And I knew I, I know that their kids should have an opportunity to do where they're just going to be consumers. Right. But there was this early uh, uh, kind of jolt into that. And so um, and I and at that moment, I had this different idea. That my kids would grow up with a different future than I had. All right. And so I it, it so today's message is going to be talking about different. But the subtitle is a different future. So as a young person, I had this idea that, man, my kids, whether we're, uh, my kids are going to have a father that is highly involved in their lives to help them grow up, that their mom wouldn't have to parent them, them alone. And so, uh, and so I had this, that vision of that, and I, and I worked towards that. And I would like to think that everyone here has some type of vision for their life, whether it's in the next week, the next six months, the next year, or so on. As I go through this, you're going to feel like, hey, this, some of you may feel like, hey, this is kind of geared towards college students. Because a lot of the stories from my life where I had begun to develop and see a different future for my life did happen while I was in college. But this message is going to be for everyone. And I, and I know sometimes even as an uh, older person, you think, you know, I'm, well, I'm already down the road. It's, it would be senseless for me to turn and take a different route or even go back. I'm not saying that you should go back by any means. But what God wants to do because we are fallen people, he's continually to put before us the vision he has for our life, this different future that he has for our life, okay? And so there's, to us, it's always, it, it seems like something new, but to him, it's, it's, it's something that he's always had for us. So um, my question, though, for us is, what do we do when we're on this path? And it seems, it seems monotonous, it seems not worth it, it seems far-fetched, you're unsure about it, all right? It seems like, man, I, I don't know if this is the exact thing. We start to question, we start to doubt the picture that we've seen. And that's where I want to get into what the Bible begins to say. And so if you have your Bibles, you want to take notes, the first scripture I want to give to you is in Proverbs 29. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. That's from the ESV version. Most of the scripture are going to be from the ESV version. The second one, though, for the message version uh, of that same scripture says, if people don't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are more blessed. I really believe that God gives us pictures gives us visions to align us with him. We have a understanding of what to say yes to and what to say no to. So when we, when we have that picture, and if we could stay on that focus, if we could stay focused on that picture, it helps align us and keeps us off of things we should say, you know, say no to, but the things we should say yes to. 
Let me just take a moment and pray right quick. As we, and I just want you to consider that verse. God, I thank you. I thank you this morning for everyone's here. That it's not an accident. That it's not uh, uh, just by chance. But Lord, you you had this uh, as a divine moment. Lord, I pray that I could communicate your words clearly. And Lord, that you would begin either reminding people of the pictures you've already shown them, the picture, the prophetic picture you have for their life, or Lord, you begin to drop the new one in their hearts and their speak heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So let's read the stories of the first disciples being called to Jesus and pull some truths from that story. In the story, we're going to see how Jesus wanted the disciples to have a different future with what and how, J, how Jesus gave them a prophetic picture to do that. All right. So your theme for today. All right. If you're going to walk out of this dough, out of this dough. That's that Houston, Texas coming out. You, when you walk out of the doors today. If you don't remember anything else, this is what I need you to remember. A different future begins with a prophetic picture. A different future begins with a prophetic picture. All right. And so that I can get some crowd participation. A different future begins with a prophetic picture. Great. So you got you got the main point. We're going to be great. This is, is going to be fun. The future that is brewing in your heart begins with a prophetic picture. The marriage you desire, the relationship you desire, the career, it all begins with a prophetic picture, something Jesus is doing in your life. The more fulfilled you want to be, the more you're going to have to accomplish that picture that Jesus has set before you. Going into the scripture, let's read in um, Matthew 4. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, all right, I, I believe Jesus uh, was walking by the sea. He had his iPods in. He was probably listening to some little cray and just kind of strolling and kind of looks over and sees two brothers. He's on his mission, right? He's about to do something big on earth. He's finally here and he sees two brothers. One who is called uh, who, Simon, who's called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the sea for they were fishermen. Let, let me just help you understand that for a second. All right. Fishermen, that's who they were. All right. That, that, that was their title. Just they wasn't the top of the class. They wasn't, you know, the superstars and whatever we know. They were just fishermen. And, and that's kind of, uh, that's who they saw themselves as. So right now you might be a high school student, you may be a college student or college age, but not in college, a career person, you know, above college age, and you're just thinking, you know, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. Here's my plan. It's laid out. And that's where Jesus wants to meet you at. He wants to meet you at a point where you just, you, in a sense, you do kind of have it figured out. But he wants to illuminate to you what more that it is to that. I want to remind us as we continue to dive deeper. The different future I'm talking about could be different than the different future you are planning. OK, so let's go on to verse 19. And he said to them, one of my favorite verses, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. They go from fishermen to fishers of men. All right. My dream was to be uh, to be a professional athlete, to play football, play on the NFL team. I was going to take the money or as people say today, the bag, go back to Houston, create rec centers and, 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 and give back to my neighborhood, to the hood. Right. But Jesus says, hey, I, I want to take you from being this type of athlete. But, the, but being an athlete for the kingdom. And for me, what that meant was competing 
for the lives of people, challenging people, helping people grow up. For many of the ones that I was drawn to out of the same, whether it had been uh, a single parent home, whether it be early in uh, life when I was 12, started selling, smoking marijuana, selling it at 14, started a gang, growing up out of the negative uh, uh, environment that I grew up in and competing to help them see a better way. And so it says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. God had flipped that in, in, in me. Uh, let's look at this right quick. It says, follow me, right? When you follow Jesus, right? Do what he does, act like him, go where he goes, even to the point of sacrificial death. That's the second part of that statement. I will make, Jesus says, I will make. He will want to take you through a transformation. If you saw the Jesse 20 years ago, you would be probably a little bit frightened. This guy was pretty abrasive, pretty rough around the edges, had gold teeth. That was so long ago, I couldn't even find pictures of it. I wanted to show you guys. You have one. <laughs> if you really want to know the old Jesse, ask Tori. She has some stories like, I don't know how I'm still with this guy. It's because she loves me. But I, he wants to take us through a transformation. And then third, he wants to call us to a mission, Fisher of Men. A different future. And this is where we're going to dive in a little bit more. So go ahead, uh, as we reach altitude, uh, there might be some bumping along the road. Go ahead and, you know, uh, seabed up uh, as we take flight. Back again, I want to remind us, a different future begins with a someone is in. That's why me and him, we're going to do a, a two-person show, hip-hop, something. <clears throat> we thought we, we we'd never, we never planned to be in Manhattan, never planned to go to Fort Scott. But as God has taken us to these different places, we see the future he's creating for us and we're aligning ourselves more and more with that. Let's read the rest of that re reaction. Jesus now is taking out his iPods. He's really getting focused in on, you know, calling some people to himself to, to move forward and, 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 and help disciple some guys to help change uh, the world. And so in verse 20, it says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going from there, he saw two other brothers. This is one of those moments I just want to pause again to kind of let you know what I think about. I, am, uh, I graduated from KU with an African, African-American studies degree in English creative writing. And sometimes when I read, I often think about racial things, ethnicity. So when it says he saw two other brothers, in my mind, I'm thinking, is he talking about two other brothers or is he talking about two brothers, you know, same dad, same mom, et cetera. And so if I can just entertain you for a moment, I begin to dive a little deeper in that. It is said stereotypically that African-Americans cannot swim. So I thought, if these dudes cannot swim, why would they enter into a profession that they might need to swim, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just thinking about all that, and you may be asking, well, Jesse, is the stereotype true? I didn't know it was true until I met a guy who was 6'3", who could not swim, who almost drowned in three feet of water. All you had to do was stand up, bro. <laughs> you guys know what a functioning alcoholic is, right? Someone who is able to be productive while also being uh, not sober. I am a functioning swimmer. If you push me in the water, I will survive, I will be able to get out, and I'll be okay. So I do know how to swim. 
I was surprised that there are people out there who didn't know how to swim. So what does that have to do with the message? Nothing. I just <laughs> thought it would be fun to tell you that and what I'd be thinking about, and let's move forward. So the two brothers that he saw, James and John, <laughs> was in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. A different future begins with a prophetic vision. Here are the four steps to take to have the prophetic picture come to fruition. Okay? All right? I believe God wants to give you, if you have a vision already for your life, he wants to give you a stronger vision of what that is. If you're not sure what that is, he's going to give you one. But here's the thing. All right? Just like you're giving a gift at Christmas, you're going to have to do something with the gift. And here are the four things I think. No, I'm sorry. Here are the four things that have helped me and I think will help you acquire that vision and see it come to fruition. Those four things are act immediately. Leave what you deem valuable. Leave what gives you your identity. Following Jesus. Let's go and look at act immediately. In verse 20, it says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then in that same section of verses, it says, immediately they left the boat and their father followed him. Why is that important? It, would, it is not safe to assume that these are the only disciples Jesus asked to follow him. It is not safe to assume that you will get another chance. When you feel Jesus moving, you feel like, man, I think this is from God. If you do not act immediately, you are risking missing out on that opportunity again. Check this out. Um, it's not the first time this happened. I forgot what, where this verse is that I'm about to read to you, but you will remember it. Um, it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say fair word to those at my, at, at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. When I responded to the call of Christ on my life in 1999 as a freshman at KU at a small group, at, a, at that time, would have been, would have been called to greatness before called to greatness on campus. Someone came to me and said, look, Jesse, look, your identity is wrapped in football, but God wants to give you something. He wants to give you something that no one else could define or create for you. And I had, and I had, I had wanted Jesus, but, there, but I, I, just, I, I just kept going back, kept going back to my old ways, my old way of thinking, the old ways of doing things. And there, but there was something different, and I sensed it. I sensed it. And immediately, I dropped everything else. I, I dropped it. I began to focus. I began to throw myself at everything that they were asking me to do, from weekly meetings to one-on-one -on -one discipleship to going through foundational book to helping mow a lawn to whatever it was because I knew that I needed to be doing this, and I didn't want to miss this opportunity. I, when I was 12, I, had, uh, I went to a church-like um, house meeting it was a house 
with a church service in it. Definitely weird because I grew up in the South and I'm used to such and such Baptist church of this and that. And so when I went to this, this house and it was this guy preaching with chairs similar to this, just a smaller room. In the midst of his message, he's walking down the aisle and then he stops and looks at me and says, you're going to be an evangelist. That was the first picture that popped in my head when I said, yes, I want to follow you, Christ, on the college campus. And seeing my life now, I was, uh, I was um, what's Audrey's husband's name? Where is that? No, not Audrey. Uh, the, uh, Hayden. Hayden. I was talking to Hayden across the, uh, we were, he was at the kids space check-in and I was at the Welcome Center. And he asked me how my weekend went, man. I said, it was, it was, it was a blast. Friday night, we went to Purple Power Play, and I was on, uh, we were, had a tent out there, and I'm just talking to people, meeting the people, and engaging with people. And that, but I love that stuff. I mean, if you're going to be an evangelist, you better love talking to people and hanging out with them. But my point is, that that's the picture that popped in my head because it was something immediately that I saw that Jesus was doing. Let's, let's continue to move forward. Number two, leaving what you deem valuable. And, and I forgot to mention two and three could almost be the same, but I, I separated them into two and three. So, but check this out in verse 20. All right. And we're going to hang out on these verses. So immediately they left their nets and followed him. Fast forward into 22. Immediately they left their boat and their father to follow him. Are you willing to leave what you deem valuable? You have to be. Because that stuff will get in your way. <clears throat> Think about the woman at the well, right? When Jesus preached to her and, and encouraged her and challenged her, she left her jars. Because she had sensed something was going on. I kept my nigga, even after I got saved, I had something that needed to be broken over me. I still had this idea of response. I got to take care of myself. And the only way I knew to do that was to sell weed. So on campus, I'm selling weed. The other thing was like, I don't really have a job. How am I gonna get these books for class? I would steal books from the bookstore and then sell them back to them so I could have money in my pocket. That used to be funny when I tell, back in the day. It was, it was bad though, it was bad. The question that someone challenged me with, you know, cause I, I, I literally, I went to one, a friend of mine, I said, look, this is what I've been doing, you know, cause I was being, the spirit was convicting me. It's like, this is what I've been doing. Not only did they challenge me, man, you got to stop selling weed, but you got to go make restitution. You got to go apologize for stealing those books. But the one thing you got to do, you got to see that you, God has made you capable to work. You could, you could do that. And from that point, I got a, uh, actually got a job and moving forward. But I was willing to leave those old skills that helped me survive. One of the biggest things that happened to me about eight years ago, and this, and this might not sit well with some people, um, I grew up, right, in, in, uh, in Houston, predominantly black area, and being black was huge to me. That was valuable to me, right? I, so valuable to me that I, I watched how I act and didn't want to act like any other race because I didn't want to, you know, somehow renege on everything that Martin Luther King had did and get my black car re rejected. Come on, I, I, I don't know how to make this more funny, but it's, it'll get there. And, and, but, you know, the back, black is beautiful, that began in the, the, what, the late 90s, and, you know, just th there was a pride. And I think people should have, you know, some, you know, sense, like, man, this is the, the ethnicity my family grew up in, and these are some of the things they face and all that. But what I was doing was I was taking being black 
and putting it above what Jesus was asking me of me and asking uh, of his people and his kingdom of heaven. And about eight years ago, it came back up and it hit me hard. And I felt like I was selling everything, giving up everything to follow this guy again. And I thought I had did that years ago, but he was like, no, 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 you still have some residue of some things regarding your ethnicity that is trumping what I am creating. I remember sitting on the side of my bed, confused, crying, unsure, just like, what is going on? And there was this greater picture of much of what I see here today, where many races, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different upbringings are coming together to advance God's kingdom. I had to leave that behind. I had to leave that behind. And I say leave it behind. I had to, I was, I had to repent, turn from what I was putting higher than God and continue to focus on what he was doing. In a time, in a culture that where we're at right now, it's, I think it's becoming more and more important why the conviction I had in my heart once Tori and I got married. One of the things that I had in my mind was that I needed to marry a black woman because the communities need to see black families thriving. I do not, I, I, I won't argue that. But really what the community, what people need to see is a man and a husband married and a man sacrificing his life for his wife and for his family and living that out. Whether they're black and white, white and white, Asian and black, whatever the combination, because that is the cornerstone of communities. And when I, when I, the more and more I was turning to Jesus and the picture he had for not only our family, but for what he was doing, I began to see that more and more and understand that more and more. <clears throat> I began to leave, to, to, to leave what I deemed valuable for what Jesus was doing. How you guys feeling so far? We're good? Come on. All right. Hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping this is changing your life as it has changed mine. Let's, let's, can, I, can we take a quick pause right quick and I can tell you something else funny? If I had a choice outside of being black, it would have been Russian. <laughs> I just want to be able to talk as a Russian and grow up in that nature, you know? I want to be able to argue that Drago would have beat Rocky nine times out of ten, but the movies, the movie, they'd let Rocky win. Russian to me just sounds like I would crush anybody. So maybe it's just insecurity in me. That's why I want to be Russian. Mother Russia. Okay, going on to uh, the next one. Leaving where you draw your identity from. And that's why two and three. They, they kind of, sometimes the things we value is where we draw our identity from. And sometimes it's just whatnot. So, but this is important to me. In verse 22, and I hope it's important to you, immediately they left their boat and their father. Now, let me remind you, typically what happened is, especially with the males in that time, is they would father their father. They would do whatever their father is doing, all right? And, and you see these in these men, right? They're on the boat with their father. They're learning the trade of being a fisherman. And because what are they going to do? Their identity is going to be as a fisherman. When people see them in the town, they're going to say, oh, that's, the sons of Zebedee, they're fishermen. That's what they're drawing identity to. Secondly, that's where, they're gonna, that's where their inheritances come from. That's how they're going to make their money. That's how, gonna, that's how they're going to take care of themselves, right? So in my mind, as a football player at KU, I'm thinking, man, this is how I'm going to take care of myself. And you want me to take that from being the thing that is going to 
bring my value and bring the bag that I need to help do the thing I want to do back in Houston? You want me to leave, leave that and focus on you? Are you willing to leave that thing that you, that you draw your identity from? I've always been a good student. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm, I'm always made A's, right? I've, I've always done this or, or I've, I, you know, I've, I've, I want to do this so I can honor my, that, if we draw our identity, whether it's from honoring our parents or getting a good grades or being this type of business person or this type of parent, and that is not in line in what Jesus is doing, we're going to miss out on the opportunity to see how that prophetic vision come to fruition. Bars. Okay. Check this out. In Matthew 19, 16, it says, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments, enter life and keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? I believe many of you in here have been this, this person. You've been good. You haven't stolen. You haven't committed adultery. You, you followed those Ten Commandments. You've honored your father and your mother. But here's what I'm going to remind you again. Sometimes your good vision is not the same as God's prophetic vision for you. Okay, the tip, the difference between your future and the prophetic picture God has for you is it will seem good. And in many of the ways it is It's good foundation. You should do those things. I'm not saying you shouldn't have done those things. But God is continually aligning us with the future that he has for us to the point where he's asking you to lay down your lives for things. And people are going to say, man, that guy's different. And indeed, you will be built different. Four tough, whatever. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, that, that, that is very interesting he said that. I'm not perfect. Why, you know, don't get down on me. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But like there's this call to hit the target that, he's at, that he puts before us. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. If you're not leaving what you deem valuable or drawing your identity from what God is doing, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus. It's going to be hard to follow Jesus. <clears throat> Moving forward, following Jesus, the last one. You could do, actually do all three of those things. You could leave what you deem important. You could leave where you're drawing your identity from. You could do something immediately. But if it's not in regards to following Jesus, all right, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the life that you actually want. That's what's so great. That's so great about the Father God. He has actually put that picture in you. you. You love it, and it's something he wants from you, for you, and you want it, but you will miss it if you're not willing to do these these things. <clears throat> I struggled on this part because maybe I'm just, just w what it is that God would have. Like following Jesus, I think, could look different. Not In following Jesus, there's some things that God feel he's wanting to sharpen for some of you. Some of you, it might be as simple as like, you know, we all don't, in a sense, are 
we all could pray more. But for some of us, it is literally bowing our knee and really engaging in God and intercessory and praying more. Some of you are not, maybe not, I think part of it may be that not spending enough time in his word and really applying that to your life. Some of you may be like, look, I'm calling you into discipleship, to a new level of training, to something that's going to change your life and to a higher calling. And so when it comes to following Jesus, I, I, I don't want to, in a sense, define what that might be for you. But I want to tell you, for me, it was like taking off the Letterman jacket while I was at the KU, uh, taking off my high school Letterman jacket on the KU campus. I wore that Letterman jacket. I was proud of it from high school. I thought that was going to be funny. You guys did not laugh. Could you imagine seeing a high? I mean, now when I look at it, it's like a high, I'm, I'm sporting my Jesse H. Jones high school Letterman jacket. I got my H for my football. I got an H for baseball and H for being a stud. You know, all this stuff, right? And walking around like, no, 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 it's a different level. You need, you need the one with the K, bro. You need the one. You need a different one. You, no, no, no. And... What happens sometimes, who's familiar with Al Bundy? Al Bundy, uh, the, I can't even think what the show is. Married with Children, remember that, right? And he would sit on the couch with his old Letterman jacket and relive the days. That's how sometimes, that's, really that's what your old vision is like, is reliving those days. That, but God has something new for us. God has something new for us. And in following Jesus, you got to take the old Letterman jacket off. How do we do that? It's got to be reading the word. That's the one thing that really changed my life. It was reading the word, and, and, I, and I think a good, a good time is about an hour, right? But if you only got the strength enough for 10 minutes, do 10, and next week do 12 and keep working your way up, right? Bending your knee before God, praying, interceding for your life, for your family's life, for a friend, whatever it is. The biggest thing that happened to me, though, when it came to following Jesus, you remember that verse where he says, this, this uh, demon only gets casted out by prayer and fasting? You guys know that one? And when I first heard, like, you could fast for somebody, like, you could miss food. Like, I didn't get this because I was missing food. Like, oh, my goodness, I got to add that to my life? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. But that following Jesus, you got to be willing to do it to a sacrificial point. <clears throat> I think God is going to begin to even look and thinking particularly to uh, um the college students at this moment, as you get that guys continue to, uh, you know, progress through college, that he's, there's going to come a moment. You know, I don't think everyone should be in ministry, but I do believe everyone is called to minister. But he's going to challenge some of you. Hey, take this time. Won't you actually spend some of your years being an intern or join our two two year commitment prior to going into your engineering career? Some of you are going to be challenged to, hey, hey, instead of being a uh, physical therapist in this area. Hey, be someone who brings people to healing for my kingdom. Be in ministry. That challenge is going to be before you. But are you going to be willing to follow Jesus in that? <clears throat> As I, be I begin to close here, I want to, the question now you have is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? God, he wants to give you a prophetic vision. All right, so you can have this different future. What is the picture and vision you have of your life that Jesus wants to wants to replace. Some of us, some of us have had curses put on our lives. Some of us have taken vows that has put us on a path that is uh, that's not of God and not healthy. My question to you going forward is: What are you going to do about it, and where you are right now? Whether you feel good about the place you're in, 
or if you are in a, you know, what you would characterize as a bad place. So what we're going to do is uh, take communion. All right, communion is an opportunity to come before God and, and repent of old ways and enter into a new way. The bread represents his body. The blood represents his, uh, uh, the drink represents his blood that was shared, both his body broken for us and his blood shed for us, so that we can come back into the destiny, into the purpose he has for our life and, and be restored. So in a minute here, I'm going to release us to go grab the bread and juice. And what I would like for you to do is go back to your seat and then among yourself or with your spouse, pray. Right? If you haven't got a prophetic vision yet, pray, God, give me a prophetic vision for this next season of my life. All right? And then you're going to repent, right? which is turning away from something that you used to follow to turning towards God. It's a, it's a regular habit for me to turn it. I want to be more and more like God. That Je- the day that the Jesse tomorrow is better than the Jesse today, and that's what he has for you. So you're going to uh, do that, going to repent, and um, turn towards uh, the, this, new, this new picture that Jesus has for you. <clears throat> and then you just, you're going you're gonna to actually enter into a covenant with Jesus about your future. After that, once I sense everyone is done, I'm going to call this kind of attention back up here, pray for us, uh, give you a close uh, a, a a closing announcement and then releases. Is that okay? All right. So if we would, let's actually, let's exit out the side. There's a bread and juice on this side and that side. Exit out the sides and then come back to the middle towards your seats. I just had a thought. I want to interrupt us right quick. You know, as you're as you're doing this, and, you know, if you're following Jesus, or if you're not following Jesus, but you don't feel don't feel pressured to do this. You know, if you but if you feel a leading, you feel a like, man, this is something I want to do. You know, do it. But if you feel pressured, like, or you don't have a conviction right now, don't feel like you have to do it. It's not obligated. But I just want to make sure everyone understood that and knew that. <clears throat>
one of the things as I was thinking about this message that, that I kept thinking about was, you know, because part of it is, or a lot of what I talked about was, you know, something about you taking steps, you taking steps. And so I was like, God, what, is, what does that mean for your church? And one of the things he said was like, you know, every, th every picture I'm giving people, it's pointing them towards me. And so what it looked like was these, you know, all these paths coming towards Jesus, coming towards Jesus. And the end goal is that, is that everyone is becoming more aligned with Jesus. And that's what his church would look like. That's what his corporate church would look like. And I believe for Blue Month specifically that it would be a group of people who want to see this city changed to be a better Manhattan in a year than it is today. That we were seeing people come into the call of Jesus, being discipled and going out and living in life Jesus had for them. If we, in our own, do what Jesus called for us and not taking our prophetic vision. And so I see people prophesying more. I see people seeing clearly where to go and the direction Jesus is guiding us. And so with that being said, I'm going to pray for us give you announcement and then releases, okay? So if you would bow your head with me. <clears throat> Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you love us enough, Lord, to continue to remind us what you have for our life and that it's better than what we have decided and, and been going after. And many of the people, I just sense a real spirit of um, above reproach, people who are just like, I want to do whatever Jesus said. I want to do it. And, but in, even in that, Lord, sometimes we still miss the mark. And so the realignment for them, Lord, the encouragement that they feel, Lord, and, and just being realigned. And we, we thank you for that, Lord, that uh, you are aligning us to your purpose. Lord, I pray for your spirit to be among us because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, that it will strengthen us in this moment, strengthen us individually and strengthen us as a body, Lord. Uh, bless everyone. May this Sunday be great, and this be the start of a continue or to continue or something new in their lives. I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen, my friends. All right. So, uh, with that being said, just want to remind us that community groups are starting or being formed this week, and will start the following week. Right. I want to make sure I said that correctly. And so, please fill out a connection cord. We have some at this table and some uh, at the welcome uh, center table. Fill those out. We, we want your information. We want to know what will work for you as we communicate uh, what that's going to look like going forward. You can give those connection cards to myself, Tori, Jonathan. Well, put it in the offering box, which is that black uh, box there on the table. Um, um, so you can do that. So fill that out. We want to we get to know you. We want to uh, make sure everyone that wants to be in a community group is in a part of that group. If you're a college student, we have those already going Thursday nights, 2000 Claflin Road at our ministry house, and we'd love for you to be a part if you're not. With that being said, enjoy your Sunday. Love you guys. See you soon.